people of Earth. Keep hope. We are the Gig Hose. <laughs> Welcome to Gig Hose. The good, the bad, and the funny. The inside stories of being a freelance club date musician. In the 80s and the 90s. That's right. How you doing this week, Marla? Oh, I'm all gigged out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm peopled out. I'm gigged out. Yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of gigs this week. Yeah. Okay. Well, today we're going to go into some topics we we thought might be funny and the first one is uh incorrect lyrics or uh purposefully incorrect lyrics or lazily <laughs> <laughs> what comes to mind for you marla <laughs> well no disrespect but it is funny i mean um i used to sing with um a club date band in the 80s and 90s and um that was a time when the bruce springsteen song um dancing dancing in the dark right. i think it was so mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys still remember how the lyrics go, but it was specifically the bridge of the song. I remember the guitar player. Na na na, getting older. Something. Sitting around getting older. Uh-huh. And, and the next line should be, there's a joke here somewhere and it's on me. Right. And the guy, I don't know, I mean, he could have looked it up. There was no <laughs> internet then, but he could have listened and it didn't even sound. So anyway, it was like, sitting around getting older. <laughs> Sip a cup of wine. <laughs> I mean, it's not even close yeah. to what the lyric is. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I can laugh about it to this day. Well, <laughs> even now, I, I work with a band leader that does this, but uh, there was one guy in particular that was very famous for calling the telling the band what song it was, not by the name of the song, but by whatever the first lines were. Oh, people do that all the time. I know, they? yeah. So he would turn around and go, why do birds? You know, <laughs> okay, okay, why, why, do, why birds? do birds? You know. <laughs> And then Cy Kogan's band, we did a lot of joke lyrics on purpose, the guys in particular, <clears throat> like, I'm in the nude for love. I'm in the nude. And it went on, heaven is in your thighs. Oh, yes. And then the bridge was, <laughs> why stop to think of broccoli? So I don't even want to go. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and then there were a lot on celebration. It was easy, but salivate yeah right but my favorite i came up with the feminine the parody of that which was uh menstruation time tampon that was- <laughs> well i remember a certain owner of a club date office i mean like i think they used to think like let's see what we could get away with and yes. see if anybody will notice totally I mean, and then the other song that was big then was wang chung oh. um <laughs> And I'm, and I'm going to say it because I didn't come up with it, okay. but this is what it was. Yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, it was like, everybody, everybody have fun tonight. And the so-called owner of the company used to sing, everybody eat tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. And he Did just, anybody ever catch it? I don't think so because he's still in business. Wow. <laughs> you know? Wow. It's, yeah. It's unbelievable, yes. Yeah, I mean, somebody reminded me the other day. Uh, it was the lady bass player that worked with oh, us yes. in Florida. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She reminded me the other day that she did a gig. We did a gig together in the 90s, and it was right when uh, You Ought to Know had come out. 
And, you know, it's, are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Right, 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 right. And it was a bat mitzvah. And she said, I didn't remember this. I was leading the job. She said, all the little girls were lined up in front of the stage, waiting with like salivating, waiting to see if I would say the word, you know. I, and I asked her, I said, did I say the word? She goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the little girls went crazy, you know. It's amazing, the power of language. Yeah. What was the other one? Um, well, I do a piano bar restaurant, um, and I decided to do Captain Jack. Somebody asked, if, you know, and oh, like Captain Jack. There's is, a masturbate in there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, so, but I said, eh. And then you go and sit at home and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, I still want to work here next week, so yeah. maybe I should, you know. Mm, that's interesting. And then as a DJ, I mean, I'm forever, like, looking for the clean versions I of know. things. you know. I but know. that's not the 80s and the 90s, but that's what we have to contend with now. There was no X-rated lyrics then, so. Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. This is good. So it's uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, right? I think it's actually, I was born in a crossfire hurricane, right? Right. But uh, this this drummer, he, because like in those days, you couldn't really find the lyrics. You know, you'd just have to listen to the record and... Or buy Song Hits magazine. Oh. Right. Did they always get it right? Pretty much. I mean, because, like, they had the publisher in there and everything. Right. It was pretty legitimate. Dang. I wish I'd known about that because I used to, like, play the record over and over. Right. And over, you couldn't slow over. it down, really, right? No, I mean, no. I mean, sometimes. Now you can let's do see, anything. What was it in the 80s? By then it was cassettes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd go out, went out to the record store and <laughs> pay three three fifty to buy a cassette of one song. For that one job, yep. And then I'd play it over and over and over. And so he believed that. Uh, his version of I was born in a crossfire hurricane was I was born in a cross pie hotel. Hotel. <laughs> cross pie hotel. <laughs> We're like, what is that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, sometimes it would just come to that. Like you just kind of phonetically. You have to just say it. Yeah. Yeah. Phonetically sound it out. You had no choice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was good cross pie hotel and then you know so what would happen whenever we were playing with that drummer my brother would call the song that way he wouldn't say jump cross pie hotel cross pie hotel well i have an embarrassing lyric story but oh, it's a different kind of story okay um, one time um oh marvin hamlish is in the audience you know ah. just like and i hadn't ever like really done um through the years like regularly but all of a sudden you have to do through the years. Marvin Hamlish is here, and it's like no cell phone to look up the actual lyrics. So I'm sure I screwed up oh, the no. lyrics in front of the author. Oh, you know, that's God. probably what killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marvin. I once had a. I got some notice though, but I was told that uh, Alan Menken was a guest at the party, so the band leader called me up and said, "You got to sing a song by Alan Menken." But I, I chose uh, somewhere that's green, which is from Little Shop of Horrors, which Great is a really song. Great S- song. and short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he gave me the nod, you know. I sang. Oh, song. good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the other day when I had to sing this Irish hymn for Cardinal Dolan, and uh, he was all the way on the dais on the other side, and I, I learned this song, "Lady of Knock." It's called. I guess she was a saint. So, uh, so I didn't even. I couldn't even tell if he heard it, but then later he came by the bandstand and he said to me, that was great. Can you sing that song at my funeral? And I said, sure. You know, and I was. Should I kill you now? Right. I was going to say, 
Let's hope that doesn't happen for a long time. I know. This is like left. the right thing to yeah, say. Yeah, but he walked away before I got to say that. So oh, he's such a he's such a joke. He's such a cardinal. Well, he, he is. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. He actually he he told a whole bunch of jokes. I guess you have time to like fool around when you're the cardinal. <laughs> I think he must. I I'm assuming he says that to every single person that sings. Probably. Play, yeah. Probably. Right. He's got his stock lines. That's the thing. Which brings brings me around to the next. So I know a lot of times I've been referencing this guy, Cy. He was a, a club date leader that we worked for for a long time. He had these cards printed up that um, it was his card, but then it, it was perforated. It was like folded, and the other thing was uh, requests. So he put these on the tables, and then so that way it would leave people with his card, and then they'd fill out these requests, and they'd send them all up to the band. And we got some doozies. And <laughs> so... For our audience that may not know, there's a jazz standard called Cry Me a River. Right? Cry me a river, cry me a river. So somebody wrote, can you play Crimean River? <laughs> you know, like the Crimea that yes. in Ukraine. <laughs> that was good. Somebody wrote um, Oogie Googie Googie. Boogie Oogie That would oogie. be Boogie Oogie. Right. Yeah. So there's, that was a great. I know. It's the, the, when you get requests, it's like you're deciphering, what are they talking about? Oh, Yeah. Um, I make them sing me a line sometimes, you know, because one they don't was for know. "Hey Love." Hey Love. Yeah. Hey Jude. No. no. Layla. Oh. <laughs> hey Love. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so our next topic: hecklers, stalkers, lechers, schnorers, and nebishes. Okay, we should explain. The first three are self-explanatory, but perhaps we should explain. Schnorer. Well, you go ahead. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Schnorer is somebody that's always looking to not have to pay their fair share. They're always, that's that's the guy that wants a ride without ever asking if he wants to contribute gas money, you know, if he can kick in a few bucks for the tolls and gas. Well, you're going anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but let, let's start with the hecklers. Do you have a heckler story? I'm trying to remember. Well, there was one story. It wasn't exactly a heckler, but it's kind of funny. It makes me think of that. Um, I had a gig in my early part of my career with my lounge band, and we worked at a restaurant called The Stratton, which everybody has heard of. Have oh, you yeah. ever played there? No, I never played there, but I heard of uh... Lucky you. <laughs> I mean, it was like the most insane schedule. It was for a month, six nights a week, seven sets a night. What? Yeah, I'm not kidding. From like 9 to 3.30, half-hour sets. Oh, my sets. God. Yeah, this guy, Mike Vogel, I think, owned it at the time. Holy, was it in Brooklyn? No, it was right on Queens Boulevard, oh. not far from, you know, your neighborhood. Oh. And, um, wow. And I remember um, being there, and I was, you know, dating somebody in the band. That's, like, irrelevant. But, mm. like, one of his friends was in the audience, and it was a real, like, meat market kind of place. So, you know, it was, like, older people trying to pick up older people, and they had, like... I don't know. It looked like there were horses and stalls. Like they would like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very strange place. Like you mean like like there was like um like, like Madame a, Tussaud. It was like they were leaning against like this like railing, but then they 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 would see their their faces through, so it almost looked like they were horses and oh, stalls. Oh, I get it. And then my friend Steve was like standing next to somebody, and like he was watching me sing. I was playing piano and sing, and I was in my twenties and looking good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And this guy like turns to him and says, "See, see the girl sitting in the sits singing into the microphone. She she thinks it's a dick." <laughs> oh 
Oh my god! So yeah, and like he told me the story because I would never know. But like to like think of like what are th- people thinking? They see a girl on stage and they're just like uh, you know free associating guess- <laughs> whatever they want you to be thinking about. You well, know? I guess at least one guy was thinking. You think the mic's a dick? You think the mic's a dick? Wow, yeah, that's yeah, right. Good. Yeah, sure. I, I think this comes under the cross reference of heckler and stalker. So Larry and I used to play at a, a club in the village. Uh, what was it the back fence? Just the two of us, and uh, and and I was also in my twenties, fresh out of college, looking good. But fresh, yeah, fresh, <laughs> fresh. So, so this note, this note comes up to the bandstand, and it says, um, "Would you like to get together when you're done playing? Nothing big." Nothing, nothing heavy. Big. Nothing big. <laughs> nothing heavy. Well, then forget it. <laughs> wait, wait. It's beautiful in its simplicity. Nothing big. Nothing heavy. Nothing weird. And I think, and I look out into the audience, and this guy standing there with like glassy eyes, like staring at me. And I'm thinking, okay, big, heavy, and weird. You know, like I, I was glad I was with my brother because I just could see this guy waiting for me out outside when the gig was over. Can you imagine that people think that that's going to work? I, right? <laughs> well, he was assuring me, nothing big, nothing heavy, nothing weird, just to put me at ease. But you know? that's what I'm looking for, big, heavy, and weird. So I'm sorry. I can't, oh. I can't help you. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I wonder, I have this feeling that people have this feeling that, like, when you're playing a wedding and you're in the band, you're going to hook up with like the hottest person at the at the wedding, and that you know naturally that's going to happen, right? Do you think people have that preconception? You know, most of the time I didn't get like proposition by guests because guests are always hooked up with like dates. Usually, so I didn't. Yeah, I didn't find that uh, it was more the people in the band. Yeah, the pe- people I worked for, the mm-hmm. club owners. Right. You know, I can have a lot of stories about that kind of stuff, you uh, know, yeah. the country club managers. Uh, but the interesting thing was if once I turned them down, the, most of them, except for one, still gave me work. Mm-hmm. And one guy didn't. You know, really? I, I actually gave him a box of chocolates, but that wasn't what he was looking <laughs> for. He's looking for a different kind of box entirely. Yes. It's in the end. I didn't have chocolate in there uh, to give him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no cherries, no chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is getting like very uh, pornographic. I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, well, we are talking about stalkers. I guess this is the time to, yeah. to be that way. <laughs> yeah. But this one club we played at, uh, the Triple N, it was great because the, the main bartender was like built like a bull. And, and he literally I, he literally could pick, I saw him do it once, he picked two guys up by the scruff of their neck and dragged them outside and threw them out. Uh, you know? Like you see in the movies. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so... The Triple M, by the way, was the greatest bar in the world. It was on 54th between 8th and Broadway. And That's where you met your hubby. It is where I met my husband. And um, we played there at the the last Wednesday of every month for seven years, and it was just the greatest. But anyway, uh, I never worried. And, like, stuff happened there because we played there from 9 till 3 in the morning because we wanted to because right. it was just so much fun. Right. You know, I remember one guy. He and they, God, he was so. He just started stripping and just standing in front of the band. He just started stripping, you know. And a it was guy. A guy. <laughs> yeah, not a particularly good looking guy either. He was kind of scrawny, actually, but he was a regular. And so they let him do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He got thrown out. <laughs> he gra- Louis grabbed him up by the scruff of the neck and Oh, he was the scruff in. neck guy. Yeah. Well, okay. he was, no, that was. One of them. Yeah. He would do it to strangers or people he knew, anybody. So I never, it was a great feeling, you know. It, it was actually, 
it was very freeing because I knew you was you were protected. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Queen for a, a day. <laughs> I sometimes had a fend for myself. Uh, well, yeah. In the beginning, I remember we had like some kind of really low class agent was sending us with my lounge band to bars like in Irvington. There's one particular story in Irvington, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's like I had never, you know, this is when I started to go to different neighborhoods, and it right. was like, you know, a real working class neighborhood and. I didn't have experience with hanging out in bars. I was pretty straight life up to then and still. Um, right. And anyway, so. Sure you did. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> and and um, he's like, you know, drinking at the bar all night. You know, you go to these like horrible bars where people are just getting like plowed and like mm-hmm. you're just incidental. Yes. So then he's oh, I need a ride home. So I said, oh, okay, you know, I'm a nice person. Who needed the ride home? This guy that was drinking. He was sort of cute. Just a guy? Yeah, like oh, a no. single guy. He looked like harmless. Oh, God. And then so like when I get him in the car and oh. I live in Queens and he's driving, I don't know where I'm going. And then oh, he goes, no. I said, well, where do you live? You know, like, you know, and then I don't know. Like, I was trying to, like, find out where he lived so I could drop him off. It was stupid to let him in the car. And then he, he, he lifts his fist, and he, there's, like, a cut on his fist. And he Uh-oh. goes, you see this? Uh-huh. This is what happened to the last girl. Oh, my God. And then so I said, okay. So I just have to play along. I said, oh, let's get something to eat, you know. So we went to a restaurant, and then I took off after that. Oh, so you left him in the restaurant? Yeah. Did I you say you were going to the ladies' room or something? I don't remember, like, exactly, but I know once I was in the restaurant, I was able to escape, but I had to get him out of my car, and it's like, shit, you know, like... Wow, so I that mean, was the, the last p- time you gave a stranger a ride in your well, car? Well, <laughs> it's just like the element of being in a bar, because that's before I, we did, I did club dates, I was, like, you know, doing little lounge things mm-hmm. in little neighborhood places, and... Right. You know, one time I met a guy who was, I was talking about my father, and my father was out of work at the time. He says, oh, I'll get your father a job. And, oh, Lordy. And then he asked me to borrow $300, and oh, I God. gave it to him, <laughs> and then my father had to get the money back. I mean, like, I didn't have experience with, yeah. like, working in bars. I mean, I used to even drink a little then, and then I stopped doing that because right. you can't, like, be drinking all night and then have to move your, like, 50-pound amp at the end of the night, you know. So. Unless you do other things to balance it out. Well, I didn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> you I, I, can talk about that if I you went want there. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, when you're young and you start, you just don't have any clue. You're naive. Yeah. So naive and the whole yeah. bar thing. And then you see, oh, the same people are here all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what does that mean, you know? It means, well, So you if know, they met somebody, like, well, they'd still be here even if they met somebody, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just, well, that's a whole other... They're just drunks. Bark, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a whole other thing. Well, yes. it depends because the triple in it was really like a community of people that's different yeah yeah so i'm thinking of a particular sax player okay yes we used to call him captain negativo because <laughs> like whatever good was happening that's not where he was looking you know like, in, in the on the gig yeah know? yeah he was what was he complaining about oh the monitor wasn't loud enough he wasn't getting enough breaks which is a Kind of funny because... In a bar? He no, no. I'm, I'm back to weddings. Oh, back to weddings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Captain Negativo. The Magnificent. Yeah, then we started calling him Magnifico ne- Negativo. And that, you know, that's a whole other thing, names that we give each other. So there was a group of musicians that had a uh, hobby of giving everyone a club date name and uh, audience back in the day... Everyone that started a club date agency, it had to be two first names. So the most obvious one was Stephen Scott. 
does. Right. <laughs> Hal Michaels. Roger Murray. Ken James. <laughs> right. So we all gave ourselves. And the way we did it was to reverse the first name and the last name. So like Peter Valentine became Val Peters. <laughs> right. And what were you? Babs Williams. <laughs> My last name is Basson, by the way, audience. So I'm Willa Basson. So I became Babs Williams. And I think, and what would you be then? Well, let's just be honest. I was Ted Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I never got it elevated to that. And we were discussing this the other day, though. I think, didn't we say you'd be Addie Marlin, maybe? Addie Marlin. Addie Marlin, yeah. I could just see the fish Yeah. I don't know. Thinking about famous schnorers. Schnorers. Well, my very first gig, I remember, was Herb Sherry. Oh, boy. And well, he was like, an ultimate schnorer. The ultimate schnorer. Wear a gown, and I'm going to pay you $10 an hour. <laughs> and that was even, like, low for then, you know. I mean, yeah. I think when I started in my next club day venture, it was, it started at, like, 75 to to $100 a gig. And That's then right. It, and then it's sort of, like, stalled where it is now. I mean, sometimes it's more, and sometimes people can negotiate. Right. Depending on, I guess, their perceived value or their mm-hmm. actual value. But yeah. I don't think scale for club dates has really changed in a long time. They they just did, but I think it changed by like twelve dollars. Oh, that'll, that'll buy you a, some eggs, cup of coffee, <laughs> two eggs maybe. What were you writing down that you didn't want to forget? Oh, you know, when you were talking about like the guy was like negativity and oh, the, yes. he he didn't get a break. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked in the other episodes about how long we played in a wedding without taking a break because we had something called continuous oh, music. Yeah, no, we didn't discuss that. And, yeah. you know, when you were, if, depending on what, if you were in a set band, you know, you do 45 minutes, you get 15-minute break. But, you know, in our day, we were like the club date soldiers and we would play at least 55 minutes and sometimes longer. Sometimes band leaders would make you go till the first dinner course came out. And they still do. They still do. They still do. Like they don't want, you know, and yeah. maybe they'll spell one or two people. But generally, no, you got to just stay up there, even okay. if you're doing bossa novas. I want to explain to the audience about continuous yes. versus non-continuous. Yes. So, so the union, the, the mu- local aid or two, the musicians union has rules if you're doing a union gig, about how much time you get off the bandstand per hour. And they had different pay scales for if you were going to do non-continuous, <laughs> in which it was 45 on, 15 off for right. every hour, or continuous, which was 55 minutes on, five minutes off, right? That's the union rules. Five minutes, right. Five minutes for every hour. And usually a wedding is four hours, and then if you're like Marla and I, there's another two hours of prep stuff like the ceremony and the cocktail hour. Um, but there are a lot of gigs that are not union gigs that are weddings, you know, and always have been. It, that's always been the case. But that became like the standard, you know, like, right. oh, you're going to, just an excuse for somebody to work you to death sometimes. Yeah, I mean, no, once it was going, the so, I used drummer. To, so I used to, we'd have two-hour gigs, two-hour sets, right. easy. Easily. I mean, screaming horror sets, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Screaming rock and roll and disco sets. Yeah, just the poor drummer. I remember I was, uh, and in those days, I have three you know, friends that were drummers that are already dead. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh God, why am I laughing? I'm sorry. Uh, I remember because you know, yeah, like we said last time, in in the heyday in the eighties, we were just working five gigs every weekend: Friday evening, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Right. And they could be all over. So I remember we were doing a gig at a temple in Albany. Versailles. And uh, 
And you didn't start till 9.30? Right, because you can't start until the sun goes down on Saturday night, right? And People I had to eat dinner at 1 in the morning. They do. <laughs> and I, had, I was leading a gig <clears throat> on Long Island the next day at noon. Oh, God. For, for the guy who owned the catering hall. You didn't have time to sleep. And I, it slept, was for an an I oh slept for an hour. I slept for an hour. But anyway. Gig so, ho. Gig ho. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Where it's, it's 10 minutes to 3. And I think, finally, because I've been playing for six hours already. And he leans over and he goes, we're going to do another hour. Oh. And I... I <laughs> Threw myself over my keyboard and, and just, you know, like, no. Oh, God, no, you know. and I, That's the worst. Oh, you want to yeah. go home and they say, we love you, play more. Oh, my God. I got home at like 6 in the morning and I think I slept for an hour and then had to get up and do the other gig. And uh, I remember my, my voice was, it was like hamburger. I felt like my throat was like hamburger. I was singing everything like low, you know. Right. It's brutal. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's amazing that the Jewish weddings start at 9.30 at night when the sun went down. I yeah. just want to reiterate that. Yeah. And people eating dinner and, and then... So late. So late. You know. And then they would serve breakfast, too, sometimes. Yeah, you just, like, move in there. <laughs> <laughs> you eat your breakfast. Did you dinner. ever go to the wrong Temple Bethel or the wrong Temple Emmanuel? I went to the, the wrong Sands, and luckily oh, it was only yeah. 20 minutes from yeah. Atlantic Beach to yeah. Long Beach. Yeah. And it was in the contract wrong, oh. so nobody caught it. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, so. There's nothing like pulling up to the temple and the, and the parking lot is deserted. And oh, you yeah. realize you're in trouble. <laughs> and back then, again, there was nobody to call. You know, unless you, we've both done this, you drive around in a panic trying to find a phone booth. And hoping, right? you know, and that was another thing. I think that they always used to have somebody in the office on the weekends for, waiting for the panic calls. Cause Did they, actually? Sometimes. Sometimes. If you, you were hoped. lucky. <laughs> right. You, you would hope yeah. because yeah. Um, maybe there wasn't anyone there. I mean. I know. But we've the, all done that. There's two, like, village clubs. And there's one in Lake Success and there's one in Sands Point. And oh, I yeah. Think somebody got screwed up. They showed up at one when I was working there. I said, you're at the wrong village club, you know. And have you ever had the thing where you set up for the cocktail hour and you're halfway through it before you realize you're playing the wrong cocktail hour? <laughs> yeah. That happened to me fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the band leader said, set up here. And I set up there and I start to play. And then he comes running in about 20 minutes in. You're in the wrong room. You're in the wrong room. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. Double, getting double booked or somebody else shows up on your gig, you know. That's happened. Or you show up and someone else is already playing. It's like, wait a minute. That's happened too. <laughs> Yeah, it's then, great, folks. And then, you, and then you have to spar. Well, who's going to stay and who's going to go? That's right. Did it ever come to blows? I remember it getting a little testy one time. This is reminding me of something else. I was playing with a different band that I played with, a kind of an excitable, excitable bass player. And uh, we were playing at the Rainbow Room, and they had a big white piano there. Do you remember? Like on yes. The stage? Yes. So these guys... Uh, they throw all their – this is another thing, audience. You know, when you get to the gig, you, your gear is all in cases. And you have to hide your cases. You have to hide your cases, and you have a hand truck. So, like, after you set up, you have to locate somebody who could tell you where to put the cases, which hopefully is at least on the same floor. And right? sometimes not. No, sometimes you have to take the elevator to the basement and leave it down there. That's bad, but 
what about uh, a couple of times they say you have to put it back in your car? Yes, <laughs> yes, which you can't do at, win- at, at windows, right? Yeah. <laughs> Throw it out. The or window. my favorite, leave it outside. You know, oh, out in the elements, yeah. And yeah, it's raining. <laughs> yeah, or it might rain, or there's bugs, or anyway. So all these guys put all their cases under the piano, and the maitre d, who, as I have repeated before, very snooty, you know, and he's like, oh, you can't put your cases there. And we're going, well, where do you want us to put them? And they go, well, if you go two flights up and down the hall and 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 the excitable person in my band said he backed the guy up against the wall and he (laughs) grabbed him by the collar and he said, you're not telling us what to do, (laughs) you know, but like in a really threatening way. And you got away with leaving. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The guy's like, "Okay." Wow. Yeah, I was like, we were all like, oh, you know. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I kind of admired his his chutzpah. I um, devised a, a very unique way of dealing with that problem. Sometimes I would bring this very thin black long sheet. It was like almost like it could like really fold up small. Like a tablecloth kind of thing? Something, yeah, really thin. And, you, and you know, just you put, put it, it over. Yeah, and it just looks like it fades into your ramp, you know, because it's just the visual. As long as you could hide it behind something, it doesn't right. look bad, you know. But everyone's, you know, rightfully so. They want their restaurant or right. hall to, not to look But, you like know, now that I'm thinking junk. about it, that is another club date skill. Right. Right, figuring out how to hide your, your cases. Where to put your cases, yep, right. or, or hide it. Well, because it. yeah, because we all we all want to keep our cases as close as possible, so that when the gig is over, we can pack up and get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Right, or you have an extra wire in there, should you need it. You know, I mean, or you have your sandwich in there. You know, that you I have that from case. Home. I never put that case anywhere else. <laughs> the case with the sandwich and the fork is always with me. Always with me. Did I mention, audience? Always carry a fork in your in your in your gig bag. If you spend half your five-minute break looking for silverware, you won't get to eat That's your food. That's right. That's right. You're screwed. Excuse me. Can we have some forks, please? Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're at your tables. We don't we're have at, a table. We're in the band. Oh. <laughs> when I get around to it. Yeah. If you're lucky. <sighs> I have a gig right now that part of my um, pay is getting fed anything off the menu except for oh. the Dover Soul, which I didn't realize was $72. Holy crap. But um, it's it's really nice to be in that situation after struggling to get food or the club date of any sandwich, kind. as yeah. we have referred to. The club date sandwich, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy that worked for Cy, a drummer, and he had perfected the art of the quick getaway because their last song was always The Party's Over. And audience, for those of you who... It's, old, it's a song from... Hey, what the is bells that are ringing. Oh. The party's over. It's time to call it a day. Right, so it's a perfect sign off there in the '60s when, like, Steve and Edie, yeah. So, so I would start doing the party's over, and this drummer would start breaking down his drums, and he had it all set up so that uh, take off your makeup. Da, 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 the party's over, my friend. When when it came to that, all he had left was the hi hat. <laughs> Everything else was already put away in the cases in the trap, you know. The, and he would hit the hi hat, put it in the drum case, and he was gone. 
So there's a night there's a night to breaking down while you're still playing. Yeah, I do that when I DJ and like uh, you know at a, a pool club that I work at, and it's like you know most people have gone at that point anyway, and right. I start just disassembling you know this that, and I have like one speaker. And I plug the, the computer right in for the last song. And right. so then the, the downbeat, it's five more minutes and I'm out of there. That gig is particularly gig on July 4th. Uh. After the fireworks go off and I played like every American patriotic mm-hmm. song and then everybody leaves at once. Right. So you want to like be able to get out as soon as you can. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I, you can't. You're and stuck. then, you know, there's the other thing, which was super true back then. It's not as true now. But often you had, you know, often. Usually you had two gigs, right? And one could be in Long Island and the other one could be in Jersey. And the downbeat between one and the other could be an hour and a half. So in that hour and a half, you had to pack up, get in the car, get to the next gig, get your stuff out of the car and set up. Yeah, that's that's the stress. Uh, Super stressful. And then once you're there, okay, this, the gig is easy. You yeah, know, but I mean, how I'm many here. gigs did you get? Like you got there at like five minutes before the downbeat. Just three weeks ago, I, I got called on the way to a gig in Manhattan that ended at 9.30 to be in Long Island at 11 right. for an after-party sing-along. But that's different. That's different. I had an hour and a half. No, I know, but that was last minute, so they can't ask you to, like, well, they can't get mad at you if you're late. Well, right? they were going to get mad at the agent because, oh. because, like, he was supposed to have told me. Better him than you. <laughs> <laughs> right on, sister. <laughs> I remember so many mad dashes, you know. Well, yeah, but you're, then you're responsible because you took the gig. So, well, right. I think I can make it. It's always yeah. weighing it out, like, you know. Oh, God, I remember going 90 miles an hour down the Garden State Parkway in the rain. Oh, forget it. Ah. So we have one more letter story. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I'm sure there's many more, but there's mm. one that comes to mind, and it's sort of outside the field of what we're talking about. Um, well, that's okay. Yeah, because we, you know. Hey, because why? Because we're, we're gig hoes. <laughs> you know, we, of course, we're going to eventually talk about the other things that we do with the music business. And one time I got approached by... Uh, owner of a big studio in Manhattan, and um, and I was very excited. And I met him with him at the studio, and he talked about doing a remake of a Motown song. I think it was we were going to do "What Becomes of the Broken Hearted." Oh, great that song. song! Yeah, that's a good song. And you know, we were like listening to different singles, and and he's like a big time guy, and he has like a famous. I won't say who he was, but mm-hmm. he has a famous nephew that's a big rock star Ooh, so clues can, clues you know you can put it together <laughs> if you know anything about this stuff and uh-huh. um so anyway like i go home that day this is great you know like i have like a real shot at doing something here you know mm-hmm. um and i remember getting like woken up at like two or three in the morning and it wasn't on his cell phone it was on my regular home phone and it was this guy this owner of the studio and it's like two in the morning it was like 2 or 3 in the morning. It was like maybe even 3.30. It was uh-huh. ridiculous. And he was just like going on about how he was holding his dick in his <gasps> hand. And Oh, my God. And I think it turned out that he like he was an alcoholic and he had drank or he was diabetic. That and was going to be my next question. Was he drunk? He definitely was something going on. Yeah. And it's like, wow. oh, gee, there, there goes the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And then like the guys that introduced me to him that I met through some other a production music production where I met somebody like one of them ended up dead two weeks later. Oh my god! So it's like you know you get like a like a taste sometimes of the, this underworld you know of the music oh, yeah. business and oh yeah you know yeah I was better off that <laughs> he called me holding his dick in his hand. <laughs> That's really good. So wow, that, that ended that you know. Yeah, I'll just throw this one in. There was a guitar player 
who showed up and played with us for about five years. And, uh, and he invited me to a party, a party in Muttontown. Oh, like like eyes eyes wide shut kind of party. Yeah, it was an orgy. Wow! I got there. There were all these people walking around like naked with robes hanging open and stuff. I was like, whoa, you know. He goes, well, you said you liked wild parties. Like, get me out of here. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're we're gonna introduce a, a segment we're gonna do, which is credit, credit of, of the, the week. week. <laughs> oh, that sounded bad. <laughs> you could tell we didn't rehearse it. <laughs> So we're going to start with the music that's opening our, our podcast. Marla, would you like to explain? Yeah. Um, of course, when we were uh, venturing into the recording world, while we were doing club dates, um, music was like dance pop. And I wrote a song. I thought it was a really strong song. And it sort of had remnants of uh, Madonna a little bit. And mm-hmm. it was produced at Record Plant Studios. I Very had a, prestigious place. Oh, yeah. I had a spec deal for like a year there. Wow. I was doing all this stuff. and. And I had like uh, somebody from Atlantic Records coming down from my um, from my sessions, and and then they hooked me up with Fred Czar, wow, who's Debbie Gibson's producer, and uh, Debbie Gibson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that song was from that era. I had a great um, arranger named Alan P. Did a great job, and um, yeah, I'm still proud of it to this day, even though it's uh, a dated '80s sound. It's a great song, and uh, well, and here, see, it was the perfect thing for us to to incorporate into our '80s, '90s memora- memorabilia yeah, <laughs> of experiences. Yeah. See, it's living a new life. Thank you? God. It's like the it's like the family dog that's now went upstate, right? <laughs> He's living on a farm upstate. He's happy on the farm. <laughs> So, audience, we're going to play a, a minute of this, and then if you want to hear more, we'll give you a, a link that you can hear the whole song on. Sure, I think you ought to. <laughs> yeah, I think they should, too. That's a good idea. And so until the next time, may your gigs be plentiful. And may your GPS signal never falter. Amen. Bye. Let up till you do say love me Don't hesitate this feeling just won't wait say love me To hear the full song, follow the link on the Gig Host Facebook page. The Gig Host Podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Willa Bassin, also known as the Gig Host. Thanks to Jeremy Goldberg for opening voices.